Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. I am so glad that you're able to join us today because we're going to be talking with the president of the Wyland Foundation, and this is a nonprofit organization that I am a big, big fan of, and I'm so excited to bring all the things that they're doing to you, our our loyal listeners. Um, Steve Creech is our guest today, and as I mentioned, he's the president of the Wyland Foundation, and if you want to check out their website while you're listening to us talk, um, you can go to wylandfoundation.org, that's W-Y- L-A-N-D foundation.org and you can follow along as we talk about their amazing events and programs and I'm just so excited. Welcome to Go Green Radio, Steve. We are thrilled that you could join us today. Hi, Jill. It's great to be here. Well, I know that you have been very, very busy with the National Mayor's Water Conservation Challenge and I would love for you to tell our listeners about that program and even how they can get involved. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the National Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation was a program that we started about a decade ago, and it was a way for cities to get more engaged on water issues and understand more about how water plays a role in our lives. And it plays a huge, huge role in our lives. Uh, Virtually everything that we do, all of the products we use, the food we eat, Everything around us in one way or another is affected by water. And the Mayor's Challenge is a friendly competition between cities all across the United States to see who can be the most water-wise. So what people do is they'll go to mywaterpledge.com and they'll basically become ambassadors for their city. They make a series of water pledges on behalf of their city. And along the way, they learn about different ways that they can have an impact on our water resources, not just saving water, but actually water quality. And as they go through that process, they'll see at the end um, what their impact will be over the course of a year. So by using less water, by changing some habits that uh, are, are more beneficial to water quality, they'll be able to see, say, over the course of a year, what their impact will be on on water gallons saved, on um, uh, reducing hazardous waste into our watersheds, even what their climate impact will be. And and we'll even show them how they'll save money. But it's really important for us because when we started on this road, um, the Wyland Foundation was primarily focused on coastal conservation, but we learned that... um, most of the issues that we were dealing with on the coast began upstream. And I'm sure we can talk about that throughout the hour. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But uh, we were approached by uh, a group of mayors in South Florida a few years ago. And uh, they said, you know, we're really having trouble getting traction on water conservation. People just think that water comes from the tap and it's free and (laughs) they can use as much of it as they want. And, we just don't know how to make a connection with them. So uh, they approached us and we came up with um, a water footprint calculator, but also a way for cities to come together as unique communities and put together all of their 
uh, water savings and measure it and have some fun. You know, they, they can measure it against other cities. And it's, it's kind of a point of civic pride now. Um, and, uh, you know, the residents that save the most, we've got great prizes for them. So we'll reward them with, we have uh, drawings for prizes, um, for eco-friendly prizes and household uh, green cleaners. Uh, we'll, we'll even pay the utility bills for a year for residents. Um, and then another unique part of this is the, the cities that do have the most water pledges, uh, those residents can identify a local charity in their community that uh, uh, they think would benefit from receiving a Toyota Highlander hybrid vehicle. So the idea is that saving water wins for everybody. And we wanted to create a program that was a win, win, win. So everybody becomes more informed about uh, their their impacts on our water resources. They have a chance to have some fun and a way to communicate with their residents. And uh, it's just pure engagement, really. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And actually, the water calculator that you mentioned was something that my uh, organization, the Go Green Initiatives, uh, summer interns used uh, heavily. We um, had a program that gathered students, high school and college students, to work on water conservation in a city in California that largely does not realize they're on the verge of a water crisis. And so we we actually created a documentary about our local water systems and why they're vulnerable. And we gave a, a series of community presentations all via Zoom this year. Uh, but the water calculator was the, the, the kickoff to each presentation. And we had everybody take that, that quiz. And it was so eye-opening. People were like, oh, gosh, I had never thought about this thing that I buy or this thing that I eat or this habit at home being part of such a huge water footprint. So I love that calculator. Um, that That's a great component of the program. So, you know, I, I see that you have, like you said, you're working with some coastal communities. But when you look at cities that are leading the way uh, in various population categories, a lot of them are inland. I mean, we're talking about New Mexico, Arizona, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, do you find that there's a big difference between what a coastal community can do to engage its citizens versus an inland community? Or are you finding very similar, you know, levels of concern about water resources in both types of communities? Well, you know, I, I think that's that's the core of the issue because, you know, coastal communities tend to be more conservation-minded. Um, but the, the impacts really began far, far upstream. And that's the point of our programs is to create a broader global knowledge about water issues. And since they do begin upstream, like take, for instance, uh, the Mississippi River, you know, it starts as a trickle out of Lake Itasca. And by the time it reaches the Gulf of Mexico, you know, it's going through a watershed that has 40 million people in it. And Mm -hmm. along the way, everybody has an impact. So, we want these communities to understand that, that everybody lives downstream from somebody else and that we are part of a big, larger community. We want people to think on a grassroots level of the things that you can do, but also understand that, you know, the food that you eat, the products you buy, they all have an impact. You know, the more, mm-hmm. f- the more food we do eat, um, 
the more uh, we're dependent on our farming and agriculture. And the more dependent we are on that farming and agriculture, uh, the more our watersheds are going to be affected by uh, fertilizer runoff and uh, you know various other inputs into the into the water system. So, you know, mm-hmm. all these problems and the inputs into our water systems they magnify. So by the time the Mississippi hits the Gulf of Mexico, there there's so much uh, there's there's so much nutrients in that water that we end up with these massive dead zones in the Gulf mm-hmm. of Mexico. So and then you have these these huge die-offs because there's no oxygen in the water. And so mm-hmm. the fisheries will die, uh, tourism is compromised, the economy is compromised. So, you know, when, when Weiland, the founder of the foundation, started the, um, his, his efforts to get people more aware of what's happening to the oceans, he started painting these giant murals upstream, you know, thousands of miles upstream. So to answer your question, I think it's incumbent upon us as a foundation whose goal is to inspire people about um, becoming stewards of our of our oceans, lakes, rivers, streams, and wetlands to uh, broaden the knowledge of the people upstream. You know, mm-hmm. they do impact the ocean. And, you know, we're fortunate because when we started this Mayor's Challenge program, you know, we had about eight cities in South Florida. And the program grew and grew and grew. And now we have hundreds of cities. And like you said, we, it's not just coastal. You know, we've got everyone from Flagstaff, Arizona, Toledo, <laughs> Ohio, Surprise, Arizona, Dallas, Texas, Missouri, you know, mm-hmm. um, Maryland. Everybody's involved in it. But what we do, I think that's a little different, is that, you know, we keep these issues top of mind. You know, right. and it is great. And, you know, I take my hat off to everybody that, that wants to save the whales. Uh, but I think our issues right now, if we're going to do that, we have to really take care of the, the entire ecosystem. Right. So we have to understand that, that all of these issues are connected. What happens upstream is definitely going to impact what's happening downstream. Absolutely. And, uh, the beautiful marine mammals, um, they're great symbols. And, and that's what engages people but um you know tackling these problems you know requires a lot of inspiration and a heck of a lot of information well and speaking of that you know the challenge actually has some tremendous resources for teachers and students and a lot of our listeners are involved in the educational system so i'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about those resources and some of the ways to get young people involved Sure. Well, the teachers play a huge role in this. And from the start, we didn't want this just to be about, you know, the, the grownups all uh, making changes. While that, that's incredibly important, we thought that there's so much that the, the teachers can do with their students. And we wanted to give the students a way to actively influence the outcome. Uh, so, you know, the, the students themselves may not win uh, the, the major prizes, but what they can do is if their teacher does make a pledge, she can make that pledge on behalf of her class, and that can influence the outcome. So we do provide classroom activities for the teachers, and some of them are, are STEM-based. For instance, uh, a lot of people don't really understand about the energy requirements just to mm-hmm. move heat and treat water. In California, yes. about 20% of our 
energy goes to those processes. So yeah, we're pretty unique in that. Although there is a water energy nexus, you know, in other areas, but you're right. I mean, when you start looking at the the energy footprint and hence the greenhouse greenhouse um, gas emission footprint of the water in Southern California, it's huge because a lot of it is is pushed over a mountain <laughs> to get down to Southern California through the State Water Project. And I want to talk a whole lot more about this, Steve. We're going to go to a quick commercial break, but we have so much more that I want to talk about, uh, you know, in, in talking about this fantastic foundation and all the programs that you have. But uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And while we do, you can also open a new window in your web browser and go to wylandfoundation.org. Don't miss their Facebook page, folks, because Mr. Worldwide Pitbull made a video message about the challenge we were just talking about. So you want to check that out. But we'll be right back after this commercial break. Don't go away, folks. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. In case you're just joining us, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Steve Creech. He's the president of the Wyland Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that I adore. If you want to check them out, open a new window in your web browser and go to wylandfoundation.org. Wyland is spelled W-Y-L-A-N-D, wylandfoundation.org. And Steve, I loved uh, in our last segment talking about the national 
National Mayor's Water Conservation Challenge. I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about the namesake of your foundation. Um, talk to us about Wyland. Um, I, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are familiar with his work, but some won't be. So talk to us about his work, his passion for the ocean, what it's like to work for him, uh, work with him. He's such a gifted artist, but I know there's more to the story. So help us understand the motivation behind his activism. You know, Wyland is a great story. And any of your listeners who are not familiar with him, I think they're in for a treat when they Google him and they can see some of the background. He was really a pioneer in this modern environmental movement that we're talking about right now. Um, you know, as most of the listeners know, uh, the the our environmental movement really, really got moving uh, around the first Earth Day. And then, uh, you know, things kind of settled down for a while. And then in the late 80s, Wyland was this kid just out of art school in Detroit. And uh, he had a, a passion for painting marine life, uh, which was really interesting considering, you know, he was the son of auto workers. His mother drove a forklift at the Chrysler stamping plant in Dearborn. And uh, he was just this kid who would paint marine life in his basement. And he went to the Center for Creative Studies. And his his passion was Jacques Cousteau and, mm-hmm. and the great whales. And for your listeners, have probably seen a Wyland mural at some mm-hmm. point there all over the world. He's done a hundred of these giant, largest life, marine life murals. Some of them are six acres in size. I can mm-hmm. cite the Long Beach Sports Arena. He's painted giant murals on Michigan Avenue, on the side of skyscrapers in Detroit. You can see one on the, on the Broderick Building across from the Detroit Tiger Stadium. If you're ever watching a, a baseball game, uh, the New York uh, Bus Authority, everywhere, New Zealand, France, England, Brazil, Palau, Guam. You know, over 30 years, he's been painting these giant murals, and they're estimated to be seen by about a billion people every year. So it's very wow. interesting because <laughs> when Wyland started, this was before there were 3M super graphics all over the world. You know, it's, it's common now to see them even when you're driving down the 405 freeway here in Los Angeles, you'll see the giant super graphics on the sides of buildings. But back in the early, in, in the 80s and 90s, Wyland was up there on his scaffolding painting these massive, massive murals. They would be up to, you know, 20 stories high. And his thought was that this would be a way for people to get inspired because you, most people have never seen a whale at, at its full size. And to really appreciate it, I think you need to see it at full scale. And it truly is spectacular. And it, and it does give you a sense of place and a sense of, of, of things in the world that are greater than ourselves. Mm-hmm. So he's been on a, a journey for years to paint these murals, to support our marine ecosystems. And, uh, and I've been working with him for, gosh, almost 20 years now. And my background was uh, an environmental journalist. And I wanted to work with somebody that had the ear of people on both sides of the aisle. So Wyland was really a great bridge for bringing people together 
uh, on marine issues, regardless of their politics. And uh, he could just inspire people. And I thought, man, this guy is doing great things. And I thought Mm -hmm. I would love to work with him. And so we came together and started to collaborate on uh, quite a quite a number of different projects. So uh, we've worked on projects with the United Nations and EPA, uh, National League of Cities. We did um, work for the uh, U.S. Olympic Committee and uh, just supporting the cause any way we can, as in as many interesting ways as we can. But you know, he he's a guy of great energy and great vision and. Uh, you know, just loves kids and mm-hmm. uh, just so proud of the work that he's done. And, you know, I, I really do think that I have the greatest job. He'll say he's got <laughs> the greatest job, but I think we're both happy with what we do. That's so awesome. And, you know, when you get out on the website, you can see, you know, some photos and, and you know, some of the galleries of, of his work. And it's just astounding. I have seen a few of them in real life and and it's to say that they're breathtaking doesn't even begin. Doesn't even begin. Now I want to talk about the foundation because that was established, uh, you know, according to the website in 1993, so it's been around a, a long time. Talk to us about why the Wyland Foundation was created. Well, it was a springboard to get uh, students more interested in art and art with a purpose that uh, dealt mostly with marine issues and uh, and it's been incredibly successful we've inspired or done projects with over a million kids well over a million kids um, and as I mentioned over time you know we, we changed our focus a little bit to become more about the protection of all water systems because again mm-hmm. we we can't take care of our oceans if we can't take care of what's going on upstream so the ocean, so the so the foundation became more about inspiring people to become lifelong stewards of all our marine resources and so we do that in a really unique way of course, we do it with uh, art activities and lessons, and these are the great things that we do provide for teachers on our website. Mm-hmm. Um, we also do it through massive uh, community-based outreach events like our uh, National Mayor's Challenge for Water Conservation, which, as you mentioned, is happening now. And we also recognize that there was a need in our communities for hands-on education. So. We devised a uh, clean water mobile learning science center, which is a a, a thousand square foot science center on wheels, all about water that's traveled all over the United States. And uh, we've had hundreds of thousands of of kids go through that. But basically, it's a a science center. It rolls up into any school. Uh, We can handle up to 2,000 students a day. The kids go into... The exhibit first they go into this incredibly interactive theater where they become a uh, drop of water and they see a film and they understand uh, how water goes through the water cycle and then we have special effects in there wind blows and we have foggers so it kind of simulates the experience yeah. for the kids and they, they love it I so they learn about what a watershed is about their communities and how they can impact the watershed and how they can change behaviors to 
protect their local uh, water-based ecosystems. And then we have uh, a room that's all uh, watershed exhibits. We've got a running river. The kids can make it rain inside. They can learn how pollutants can uh, wash downstream into the ocean. There's video touchscreens, computer models. They even learn about uh, about uh, eutrophication or, or, or nutrient runoff. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it, it's, it really is fantastic. But what we recognized was that not everybody's got the budget for a field trip. Right. And, um, and also, it's a time issue. It's a logistics issue. Uh, otherwise, schools have to coordinate buses. They have to um, you know, handle lunches and you know, supervision. And so what we do is we, we will roll right into the school. And uh, we can stay there for a day, a week, and provide you know, world-class science education. I love that. We've got to get COVID over with so that this can get going again, because that is amazing. I mean, are you able to to do it now or are you just kind of holding on until, you know, schools are more back in session? What's the status of that program? It's a good question. Uh, You know, to a limited degree, we do some outreach with, with the exhibit. We do have a, a COVID protocol, but uh-huh. we have to scale down the participants. And uh, so, so it's really not getting uh, out there as much as, as we would like it. Teachers uh, who are listening, they can call us or check our website and they can reserve the Clean Water Center. And uh, if they're outside of Southern California, they can just let us know. And what we do is depending on the interest in various regions, we'll coordinate tours. So we'll go out to Dallas or we'll go to West mm-hmm. Virginia or Chicago and we'll spend a couple of weeks out there and we'll That's go to various so awesome. schools. And COVID's not going to last forever. So I can't wait for that to to get back up to 100% capacity because that is phenomenal. I want to shift gears just a little bit because uh, when I heard from you know, your publicist, they, they pitched me an idea where we could talk about ways to reduce our CO2 emissions from our homes. And I'd love for you to talk about, you know, some of those ideas and maybe even make the connection for some of our listeners who don't understand this, um, how CO2 emissions are related to ocean health and, and the well-being of, of our marine life. Sure. This is the big story, Jill. And I know you understand this, but a lot of people, let me go back a little bit. When we first started with our mayor's challenge, we would call cities all across the U.S. and we would say, look, we're doing this program. You can encourage your, your residents to save water. And, and a lot of them would say, hey, whoa, hold on. You know, we have all the water we need. It just rained here. And, and we realized that we kind of had a communication problem because you know we were getting the doors shut in our face because people assume that you know um, just having it rain was everything that they needed, but they didn't really understand the full impact of of water use. Mm-hmm. And you know, first of all, it is a finite resource, and you have growing populations and you know, they're, they're going to put more demands on that resource. But the other, other thing is, too, the implications of this are that um, moving that water that we talked about, the more water that you use, the more energy it takes to move that water. And the more energy, obviously, you're using, you're going to be pumping 
more greenhouse gases mm-hmm. into the atmosphere. And that's going to um, increase the, the problems that we're having with, uh, with climate change. Absolutely. And of course, that's going to affect uh, the, uh, the ocean because the oceans uh, are these huge uh, carbon uh, sinks. So um, all of those greenhouse gases, well, you know, man, much of them are being stored in the ocean. The oceans are getting warmer um, because we're, uh, our, our overall climate is, is, is heating. So right. if you can cut back uh, or uh, reduce your water use, you're reducing the energy load. And uh, not to mention the whole host of other benefits, but there's a direct correlation to it. And, and we include that in everything that we do. We want people to understand the connection between saving water, saving energy, and uh, reducing uh, uh, greenhouse gas emissions. I love that. I love that. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we have so much more to talk about with Steve Creech of the Wyland Foundation. So don't go away, for, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. I am so glad that you're with us because our guest today, Steve Creech, the president of the Wyland Foundation, is talking to us about the the 
nonprofit that's called the Weiland Foundation and some of the amazing programs and initiatives that they have going. And I want to talk about some of those programs. Steve, we mentioned a few during the last segment, but talk to us about the Weiland National Art Challenge that's going to be taking place from October to December in this year of 2020. The Art Challenge is an inspiration-based program, and that's the cornerstone of what the foundation does. We believe that people, they really need to get inspired first before they're going to take any action in any direction. The, uh, the inspirations that we have is young people stay with us for our entire lives. And I think a lot of your listeners can probably remember seeing the ocean for the first time or their first trip to the mountains with their parents or, mm-hmm. or, or seeing a tadpole in a creek for the first time. Those types of encounters are the types of inspirations that stay with us. And those become the things that we want to repeat in our lives. We want to keep those resources around so we can enjoy those and and have those feelings uh, for the rest of our lives. So inspiration matters so much. And we also believe that it's, it's a very visual thing. It's a very sensory thing. So the foundation has uh, an art challenge, and it's a way for students to create and explore and collaborate on art projects, generally centered around water themes, around water issues. But it's not all about... Um, you know, the the bad stuff. It's also about those inspirations, the things that fill our hearts when they see a river or their favorite stream or they see the crashing surf at the ocean. That's what we want people to to celebrate. Now, the Art Challenge does go uh, every year in fall, and we encourage uh, teachers to sign up at our website at wildandfoundation.org and uh, uh, they can create murals with their students, and the students can also do individual art projects. They can express their feelings about the art. There's a photography uh, component to it as well. But the idea is to take all this information and these feelings and and these thoughts and then uh, recreate these in, in a visual medium in a, and, and try to communicate that sense to other people. So these artworks become uh, messages to other folks about you know, whatever it is, it, whether it's that inspiration that we're talking about or, or if it's about action that needs to be taken on, a, on, a, on an environmental issue. And uh, that's, that's really the heart of what we're all about. We encourage the, the students to work in groups if they're doing a mural project, research, uh, and that's part of the discovery process. And then there's also a collaborative part of it. And that's why we do like mural projects. Some of our, our students or some of our student participants, you know, they'll work in groups of, of almost 30 or 40 people. Wow. And uh, what they'll do is, is they'll establish, uh, you know, themes and they'll have to talk about it, they'll talk about those issues and then, and then identify um, visual elements that they think would best articulate that theme and then how can they create a mural uh, that best represents that theme? So 
the inspiration that we had for this was uh, Picasso's Guernica, which um, is this just incredible mural that's in the Prado Museum in Spain. And if you ever see it, it's Picasso's response to the bombing of Guernica in in Spain. Um, But he also does a series of studies where he does uh, little renderings and uh, uh, pictorials uh, about the, the issues. And you can see his thought process and how he's assembling this mural in his mind. And we want students to recreate that too, to go through this process of what they're thinking of or what they're inspired by and, uh, and create a, a shared experience that manifests in this incredible artwork that they can share as a, uh, um, an expression to their community in a community center or to their school. But again, that's, that's about that inspiration part. You know, and then, you know, the more inspired they are, uh, we encourage them to become more informed about the issues. I think that is brilliant. And I, I did not understand the, co- the collaborative component to this uh, art challenge. That is that is wonderful. And it's so 21st century, even though there's a, you know, a, a an example, you know, from an artist from a little while back, um, the the idea of a group project and collaborative research, I mean, that's so on point for uh, Common Core and, and 21st century learning. So I love that. Now, you know, speaking of students and teacher, you know, resources, you have a wonderful, like just a wealth of resources for teachers on your website. And I really encourage our listeners who either are teachers or, you know, have teachers in their family or friends circles to have them check this out and talk to us about some of those amazing resources that teachers will find on the Wyland Foundation Teacher Research Resource page. Well, first they're going to find lesson plans that we've custom curated and art activities. So there's there's a lot for teachers to do either on the creative side or the science side. And then uh, we just launched something that I think the teachers are really going to enjoy. It's We call it uh, My Volunteer Water Project, and it's a new application. And uh, uh, the teachers can, can uh, build teams with their student groups, and they can work on uh, various conserva- water conservation projects. Um, they can do these virtually um, mm-hmm. at, at home with uh, their students, and uh, they can do larger group projects. They can do beautification projects and larger community projects. But you go to uh, our website, and um, you can uh, you know pick a various set of challenges that you want to do, and uh, the the kids can get involved in them, but uh, um, it's pretty uh, robust. I think everybody's really going to like that. And I'll give you one really good example. Do yes, please. So um, one of the things that you can do at home, a commitment, if you if you will, um, uh, can be uh, the amount of animal protein that you decide you're going to eat, mm-hmm. you know, during the week. So you know, we've never been an organization to be so prescriptive that we're saying, you know, go vegan or be a vegetarian or do this or do that. But we are um, very focused on, on, on providing facts. 
So one of the facts I think uh, your listeners would be interested to know is that uh, you know, just to produce a, a pound of animal protein of, of beef uh, takes thousands of gallons of water a year. Now, if you decide to substitute just a few ounces of uh, plant-based protein for an animal protein in one meal a week, um, say six ounces, you can save over 8,000 gallons of water a year just by, wow. by substituting out six ounces of, of animal <laughs> protein a week in one meal. So those are the types of things mm-hmm. that, um, that uh, uh, people can do uh, mm-hmm. uh, on, our, on our application. But again, for teachers, there's, there's just a, an entire assortment of classroom activities, um, student activities, we've got art activities, uh, you name it. I, I really encourage people to go to the website and, and just poke around, you know, enjoy yeah. it and enjoy what we do. We, we have new things coming up all the time and uh, mm-hmm. we have great partnerships. We work with Dr. Sylvia Earle of Mission Blue. She's oh, a renowned yes. TED speaker. Yeah. Um, uh, of course, Wyland, uh, he's got uh, amazing art activities and a, a, a television show on public television with art instruction. And, uh, you know, we share all of it with everybody. And, yeah. and, of course, if anybody has any questions, they can always send us an email. And uh, we're happy to uh, to share what we do. Well, and I love that. I mean, it's all free. It's all downloadable. I mean, you really make it easy. It's funny that you mentioned the the animal protein piece. I, I was on a Zoom call with a Boy Scout troop uh, just recently, and, and we were talking about the different ways that you, we can calculate our, our water footprint. And in the chat, one of the precocious little Cub Scouts uh, found a factoid that in just one hamburger, uh, you know, there's over a hundred, you know, quarter pounder hamburger, there's over 100 gallons of water associated Mm -hmm. with that. And I said, think about what a gallon is like. You've seen a gallon jug of, you know, milk or lemonade or something at the grocery store. What if to get a hamburger, you had to trade a hundred gallons 100 gallon jugs of water for that hamburger what if that was the price that you paid to get it and you had to carry it all that would be mm-hmm. a, a that would be a heavy lift wouldn't it and, they, and they, their eyes just got wide like wow that's that's different than paying you know three dollars or four or five dollars for a hamburger what if i had to trade and carry in 100 jugs of of water and it really those kinds of activities really get kids and the adults around them thinking about you know, the, the water trade-offs for mm-hmm. our lifestyle in a new way. And it's it's just like you said, you know, we don't have to be prescriptive about it or shaming or, you know, doom and gloom. But but introducing facts like that, making it personal, making it relevant to a person's existing frame of reverence kind of helps them think about, hmm, what if I could make a few different choices? I could really have a big impact. And that's what I think what a lot of people want. They want to know that if they're doing these activities, that it actually has an impact. And water is one of those things where you you can make a few tweaks and make a huge impact. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we have so much more with Steve Creech from the Wildland Foundation. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? 
Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad you're all with us today. You know, sometimes I get to have great conversations during the commercial breaks with my guests. And so, Steve, you know, we've been talking about the amazing work of the Wyland Foundation, but I want you to tell the story you were about to, to tell me on during the commercial break about Wyland's work and, and one of his projects for the Beijing Olympics in 2008. Yeah. Well, I think this will give your listeners an idea of, of who we are and what we're all about. Like, mm-hmm. Wyland thinks big, <laughs> and and I've always thought strategically, so it's always been a really <laughs> good combination. Right so, brain, left brain. <laughs> in fact, uh, you know, uh, years ago, he came to me and said, you know, I want to tour uh, the nation. I want to go on a five-year tour for clean water, and I I tr- I literally tried to talk him out of it because mm-hmm. we just didn't know how to do it or what resources it would take. And uh, he was adamant about it. And, you know, it became one of the greatest things we ever did. And uh, we, we've done massive amounts of public touring and, you know, out uh, outreach and education. But one of the projects that he really wanted to do, as uh, we had mentioned, he had painted um, 99 of these life-size murals all around the world. Well, for his last mural, he wanted to paint a 10-mile stretch of the Great Wall of China uh, for the 2008 miles. Olympics in Beijing. <laughs> and, you know, of course, I'm like, uh, that sounds great. Well, you know, w- with what budget? <laughs> how are we going to do that? And, you know, I, I don't even speak Chinese. And so... He just wanted to do it, and and uh, you know it's funny how when you dream of something like that, it um, uh, you can find a way. It might not be the way that you originally imagined, but something great's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so we spent years trying to figure out a way to do this, and eventually we had uh, quite a few meetings with the Chinese Ministry of Culture and the uh, Beijing Organizing Committee for the Olympics. And, you know, they all said, no, you can't paint the Great Wall of China. (laughs) And so uh, we said, look, we're not going to paint it. We're actually going to paint a temporary overlay and it's going to be fantastic. And, you know, they they still said no. And uh, Wyla and I looked at each other and we said, you know, there's got to be something we can do. 
And so what we decided we would do is we would build our own Great Wall of China. So what we ended up doing was we we constructed a mile-long structure in the heart of Beijing, and and we created, uh, and Weiland created, um, uh, a series of murals representing all the water systems around the world. Um, and then we had all of the, the kids from all of the local embassies come and participate <laughs> and uh, called it Hands Across the Oceans. And uh, it was just fantastic. And we did it in Chaoyang Park where they have the volleyball uh, events for the Olympics. But um, I was talking with the State Department and the White House Council on Environmental Quality at that time. And the chairman, Jim Connaughton, said, you know what, that is an amazing project. Why don't you guys bring the project here to Washington and then we can install it at the U.S. National Mall? And so that's what we did. We brought the whole project home and we installed it and it spanned from the Capitol all the way to the Washington Monument and it became one of the um, opening activities for the new Smithsonian Sand Ocean Hall. Oh my um, gosh, so that's incredible. It is, and, and that's kind of been the way that, that we've always done these things. And I, I, you know, I remember Wyland wanted to paint the, the largest mural of planet Earth on the top of the Long Beach Sports Arena. And I said, Wyland, we can't do it. You know, it's, it's too big. How are we going to do it? And he said, yeah, yeah, you're probably right. So, so for the next six weeks, secretively, you know, I worked on the back end logistics and we found a paint company and then, and then, um, I told him and then, you know, then we were off and running. So we've always kind of worked like that, but he's got a, a, just a great spirit and a great vision. And, you know, we've done incredible things. Um, you know, even sure our, our mobile learning center, people told us, you know, everyone tries to do those things and nobody ever succeeds. Mm-hmm. And we did it. And, you know, our, our national mayor's challenge for water conservation started with, you know, eight mayors. And now we have hundreds of cities and, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're pushing the needle, Jill. You I, know, we're, we're really it. trying to change things. Well, and you are. It's clear. It's evident. And and I I am just astounded. I want you to talk to us a little bit about how our listeners can get involved. You know, you have a variety of volunteer opportunities. You have ways to support the foundation financially. I'm gonna personally go shopping after this uh, this radio show is over with because some of the items you know in your shop are so cool. Talk to us about how our listeners can get involved. Okay. Well, two things. Uh, our Mayor's Challenge ends on Sunday. I'm asking all teachers, go to mywaterpledge.com and, and make a pledge. It's not a pledge for money. It's a pledge for action. You just go and you make a pledge. It's really important. The more that we get people involved, the bigger our voices. And it's a simple, simple thing to do. It's hard to do when everyone has so many other things going on, but I'm just asking everybody, go to mywaterpledge.com Make a pledge. Make a pledge. Uh, and tell your friends. The other thing you can do, yeah, you can come to our, our site. We've got just beautiful uh, gifts that you can buy. All the proceeds go to the Wyland Foundation. And um, as for getting involved, uh, you can set up a club in your community, and you can use uh, our, uh, our volunteer application, and you can do great stuff locally. You know, you can do cleanups and you can do beautification projects, and we'll show you how to do all of that. We have all the resources that you need to do it. And um, 
Now, I'm always looking for uh, teachers to help us with our uh, lesson plans and, and, uh, and activity preparation. So lots of ways to get involved. You know, we're, um, we just love what we do. That's pretty clear. And that draws people in. I mean, there's a magnetism to your organization and just some of the, I I think it spawns from the creativity that you and, and Wyland espouse. It's not just about, okay, we're on this mission. Here's the facts. Everybody do this. I mean, there's there's more to it. it you, what you do is nurturing our souls a little bit, you know, with the creative piece to all of this and the, the friendly vibe, the welcoming vibe um, that your website gives off, all your projects give off. And I think that makes it extremely attractive to, to people who are searching for that, some positivity and hope in the face of all of these things that are you know, worrying us about our environment. You know, a lot of our listeners, Steve, are college students or young adults who really care about the planet. They really care about sustainability, but they don't always see um, a clear path for themselves to have a career that matters, you know, to have a job like yours. And I think a lot of them would be inspired um, by any advice that you have for them. What do you, what could you say? We've got a couple minutes left in the show. What offer offering of, of advice could you give to those folks? You know, I tell people that if you want to be a really great environmentalist, you can, you can be an accountant, you can be an attorney, you can you can be a great parent. Um, you know, what we're doing here, is, it, it takes everything. You know, we're, we're definitely invested in, in data. Um, but also, you know, the digital world can only go so far. You do need to meet with people face-to-face. You need to talk to people. You need to pick up the phone. I think that's never going to change. And I, I worry sometimes that we're going to lose some of that. But if you want to get into the environmental field, you can, there's so many ways to do it, but don't think that you have to be on a, on, on a boat, you know, chasing a whaling ship, you know, you don't have to, there's all sorts of great ways to get involved. And they're a lot more normal, you know, and, and simple than you would think. Yeah. You know, when we, when we hire people, you know, we're looking for people that are, have, um, you know, they're strategic thinkers, and, um, you know, that the, the they're committed, um, mm-hmm. but that they're, um, you know, anything you would look for in a, in a good Yeah, um, exactly. Colleague, bring, right? bring sustainability with you. Whatever field you study, you can bring sustainability right. with you, right? And Steve, I am so, so grateful that you came on the show today. I'm sorry to say we're out of time. I could, I could talk with you all day and maybe one day we will. But thank you so much for joining us. And uh, everybody check out wylandfoundation.org. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. We're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. And until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green.
Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.